Likutei Sichais, Chelik Yud Aleph, it's volume 11, second Sicha, for Parshas Shemais. This Sicha is going to be a wonderful explanation about a very famous saying of our sages, namely, and this is in reference to Moshe, it says that Moshe is the Goyal Rishain, Moshe is the first Redeemer, he's the first one to redeem us, and Moshe Hu Goyal Achrein. He is also the final redeemer. It's a wonderful, wonderful sicha about, you know, the concept of Mashiach, how, you know, the purpose of Matan Torah is to lead us to that point. What is the purpose of Matan Torah? What is the effect of it? And how it's to lead us to that point of the coming of Mashiach? And also, it'll give us very good insight into something which we do each and every single day, more than once a day, namely, we recite the Shema, and what it means, the first verse of Shema, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad, specifically focusing on the Echad. And, we're also going to learn how this applies to our day-to-day life. So in our Parsha, when Hashem was coercing Moshe Rabbeinu, to go back to Egypt, to go back to Mitzrayim, and lead the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. Moshe, we know, refused. And for about seven days straight, Moshe was back and forth, and each and every time came up with another reason, another excuse for why he doesn't want to go. And one of them is the famous one where the Pasik actually even quotes him, and he said to Hashem, Shlach no tishlach. Send, meaning send, this mission in the hand of the person that anyway you will send this mission at the end. Namely, what he was saying is, let Mashiach come and do it. Okay? That's what the Medrash says. The Medrash says what he meant to say to Hashem was, look, ultimately, there's going to be the ultimate Redeemer, and that is Mashiach. So let Mashiach come and do this. Let him do this from the get-go. Why are you sending me? From the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu made this argument, and I have to add and suggest also from the fact that the Torah quotes this argument, in other words, legitimizes it by virtue of the fact that it quotes it, it tells us that there is an inherent connection. There is a something common. There's a common thread, that is, between Moshe Rabbeinu and Mashiach. There is a special connection between the two. Because otherwise, why would Moshe throw out such an argument? And why would this argument be a legitimate one? Now, of course, even though there's an inherent connection between the two, yet, obviously, and this is the way the fact played out and will ultimately play out, Hashem wanted that Moshe should be specifically the first Redeemer to begin the process of redemption, and Mashiach will be the final Redeemer, the ultimate, um, that is the ultimate redemption, which will be the coming of Mashiach. That is the difference between the two. But what we do know, it's obvious that they have in common, is that they're both Redeemers. The question is, what really is the connection between the two? The fact is that it cannot be one and the same person. Why not? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, even if Moshe is to get up 
and when, not even, but when he will get up, for Tchiyas HaMesim, he cannot be the actual Mashiach. Why not? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, as we all know, is from Shevet Levi. And Mashiach clearly is from Shevet Yehuda. So how then is Hu Goyal Rishon, Hu Goyal Acharon? How, how then do the Chazal say, how do we qualify this, that Moshe is the first redeemer, Moshe is the second redeemer? The answer is that the Koyach, the power, the potential for redemption is through Torah. Torah is synonymous with, and Torah comes to us from Moshe Rabbeinu. So because Moshe's Indian, Moshe's whole being is Torah, Moshe is the one who gave us the Torah, as we all refer to it as Torah's Moshe, or as we receive Moshe, Torah Tzivalanu Moshe. Therefore, Moshe and the redemption, meaning the Torah, which is going to lead us to redemption, as the Rebbe will go into detail in a moment, therefore Moshe is the Goyal Rishon. He is the one who inherently is connected to the Geula. In fact, if we look into the Rambam, and the Rambam gives us the criteria for what Mashiach is, who Mashiach is, who is this person that's going to come and redeem us from this Galus, the first criteria, and when it's the first we know in the order in Halacha, the order in Torah is very specific. When it's the first, that means it's the main quality that he needs to possess. And the Ramam says it's going to be a person from Beis David, from the house of David, meaning from that dynasty, somebody who's fully immersed, somebody who's totally dedicated to the study of Torah. He will be a giant in Torah. In fact, Without jumping ahead, we know that Mashiach will teach Torah to all the Eden, even in some way to Moshe Rabbeinu himself. So in order for Mashiach to come, first of all, Mashiach himself needs to be connected to the Torah. He is Torah. He embodies Torah, which is Moshe Rabbeinu. And also in order for us to reach that point, or as we'll soon see, to bring the world to a point that it can now be redeemed and now be elevated to that to that era, to that time, to that state of being, which will be after Mashiach comes, that is only through Torah. And therefore, Moshe is Goyal Rishon, Moshe, Moshe is the first redeemer, and Moshe therefore is the ultimate redeemer, because he is inherently connected to the redemption. Where do you actually see a connection in the Torah, a remiss for this, the connection between Mashiach and Moshe? So we actually see it in last week's Parsha. In last week's Parsha, Yaakov says the words, Ad ki And the Balatudim says on the word, which means Mashiach will come, the Redeemer, says the Balatudim that if you take the two words, Yavai and Shiloi, it's the gematria of the word Mashiach. The Zohar adds something interesting to this. The Zohar says that the word Shiloi, Shin Yud Lamed Hey, is Bigimatria Moshe. Thus, the word Yavoi Shiloi means, what does Yavoi mean? It will come. It will be revealed. Mashiach will be revealed. How does that come about? Through the concept of Moshe. Through the Moshe. Like I, like I already explained, through Moshe's Torah is where we're going to have the Yavai, the coming 
Coming meaning the revelation of Shiloi of Mashiach. So thus you see that inherently they're connected in the gematria, Shiloi, which means Mashiach, and Yavai which is gematria of Mashiach, comes how Yavai will come through Shiloi, which is gematria of Moshe. Then the Rebbe quotes an interesting insight from the Friedrich Rebbe. The previous Rebbe says that if you take the word Yavai, which is Yud, 10, base 2, Aleph, 1, that's 13, it's gematria of the word Echad. Thus, by us taking the Echad, who is the Echad? The one, the only one, Hashem, and bringing him into the world, Yavai, bringing him into the world, inserting him, and implanting him in, and revealing him in this world. Thus we will bring to Shiloi, to the coming of Mashiach. How do we have the power for this? Where does the potential for this come? Again, back to Moshe Rabbeinu. And now the Rebbe goes into explaining this. The Rebbe explains, what is this all about? We just said, to summarize, that Moshe Rabbeinu, who gave us the Torah, therefore he started the process, he gave us the potential, the ability to infuse the world with godliness, and thus through that, bring to the point of Mashiach. And therefore, Moshe is essentially the first redeemer and the last redeemer because he's connected to the last redeemer. He brings about the ultimate redemption. But to understand this a little better, let's have some clarification. So what happened? Let's think about the process. Let's think of what the world is, what Matan Torah did for the world, the giving of the Torah, and then later what will, hopefully very soon, what will Mashiach do for the world, the coming of Mashiach? So let's look at this. It says, Hashem created a perfect world. Everything was pristine, perfect, not only in the material, but especially, moreover, in the spiritual. But very soon after, God created man. There was the Chet Eitzadas. What happened by the sin of the tree of knowledge? What happened then? It says, Yorda a filth, a residue of impurity came down in the world, which with it together, including that, is therefore death, literal physical death, because that is all inherent with impurity. And therefore, you can, something that's impure cannot last forever. Afterwards, when the Yidin stood at Mount Sinai and received the Torah, do you know what happened? It says, Paska Zuhamasam. This filth, this impurity ceased. They were now elevated to a very high point and they became pure again. Theoretically or technically, they could have lived forever had they not sinned. But unfortunately, not too soon after that, they all sinned. At least they were guilty by association with the sin of the golden calf, Cheta Ego. And there, the Zuhamah, the filth, came back on them. And unfortunately, it will stay with us to some degree or another until the coming of Mashiach, at which time it says the entire world will be purified and elevated to a point where there'll be no bad, no evil, and no impurity. So basically, we fell. We were elevated. We fell once, all of us collectively, through Adam Arishan, through the Chet of Eitz Later, we were given another chance, we were elevated again, and again we fell. 
we will only be elevated at the time when Mashiach comes. Of course, nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens on its own. And by the way, I do need to make a note before I continue that the Rebbe explains this in, in other places too. And it's worth you know learning it in depth, this concept. But we'll just do a little justice to it, okay, for what's necessary to continue along with the Sikha. Since we know the rule, Yerida is Tzorech Aliyah, every descent, every fall, is really for the purpose of ascent, is the purpose for later going higher. So it's understood that this fall, okay, this breach, this descent, is to generate an a, a ascent, an ascent which is disproportionately greater than the one we were at before. In other words, at Matan Torah will be elevated to a certain point. Correct? We were taken out of the impurity and brought very high. We became Hashem's nation. We became now the people who are obligated and at the same time privileged to do with Torah mitzvahs, to connect to Hashem. A tremendous aliyah, tremendous ascent. But then we fell. So that tells us that the aliyah, the ascent that will come afterwards, at the end of this process, after we do all the correction necessary, is going to be a disproportionately greater ascent and elevation than even that which we experienced at Matan Torah. In other words, for Matan Torah, compared to the fall of the Chet of Eitzadas, was a tremendous ascent. But now we're going to experience one that's even greater. And the Rebbe says it's a two-fold ascent. It works in both ways. In terms of Hasidus, what's called milmaila mata and milmata lamaila. Meaning one that is coming milmaila from above and affecting the lower, the, the world, and one that comes from below, from us, and elevates us to above. And he breaks it down like this. What do we see at Matan Torah? What happened at Matan Torah? Hashem chose us. This is Melmaila Lamata. Hashem chose us and He elevated us. He brought us up. Think about it. Adam, when the world was created, when mankind was created, was instructed with six mitzvahs. Later, Noyach received the seventh one. By Matan Torah, we received 613 mitzvahs. So we were elevated. Hashem chose us and Milmailo Lamata, He just scooped us up and brought us up higher. And Milmata Lamaila, meaning from coming from below, going up, although, although it's true that that impurity, that quote-unquote filth, that zuhama came back by the Cheta Egel, by the sin of the golden calf, but yet the Jew did not totally go back to the state in which we were before Matan Torah. In other words, yes, we're not the same purity that we were at the moment we received the Torah up to the point that we unfortunately sinned with the golden calf. But we certainly did not go back to that state of impurity that was prior to Matan Torah. 
And the fact is, where's the proof for it? Because we still have all the Torah mitzvahs and we still have the power through the Torah mitzvahs to affect the world. So that tells us that we definitely didn't go totally back. We took a step back, but not all the steps back to totally become re-immersed in that terrible impurity. So we see how Matan Torah affected both ways, both from Hashem's perspective and even from our perspective. The same or like this will be when Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, what will be? In other words, what will be the great accomplishment, the great quote-unquote elevation, the aliyah that will come about when Mashiach comes versus that which was at Matan Torah? So we know it says, in Tanya, it says that in Matan Torah, there was a revelation of godliness. Me'ain. Me'ain means in a small measure, like a taste, a little sliver of what will be la'asid lavai when Mashiach comes. We saw godliness. We heard godliness. We felt godliness. But still, not on the level that will be when Mashiach comes. Thus, when Mashiach comes, God will reveal himself to the point, as it says, kol basar, Hashem, Hashem's honor, Hashem's glory will be revealed totally and entirely. Not just momentarily, but for all the time. And kol basar, even the flesh will see. Not just the soul. So this is already a tremendous elevation, from what was at Matan Torah, which will be when Mashiach comes. And also as far as us, how the mata will be affected. We know that all these years, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard one, how much one dedicates oneself to Kedusha, to holiness, to Torah mitzvahs, still we always have like that anchor that holds us back to some degree or another, even the biggest tzaddikim, because the fact is that the world is not yet pure. But when Mashiach comes, what will be? It says, Hashem will totally eradicate any sense of impurity, any whatsoever evil, any whatsoever darkness. In other words, we will become so pure, the world will be so pure, and especially the Yid. This is contrary to what happened in Matan Torah, that even though the Yid was elevated, even though we were given an injection, so to speak, of Kedusha, of holiness, but yet we were still capable and therefore, unfortunately, it happened, capable of sinning. We were still capable of slipping. And the fact is we made the Cheta Ego. Because by the, the Matan Torah, all that occurred is, it, as it says, Paska Zuhamasam. It just kind of was stopped. The impurity was, but it wasn't totally and absolutely cleansed, purified, eradicated. It was kind of like almost like covered up and given us an injection of Kedusha. And the reason for this, why the difference? In other words, if there was a revelation by Matan Torah, why did it have a full and absolute effect? The answer is because remember that my Matan Torah, it all came from above. Who initiated? Whose initiative was it? Hashem's. Hashem revealed Himself. Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Hashem gave us the Torah. He brought it down to the world. We had a little involvement in it, 
a very small measure of preparation, you know, the 49 days of counting, the few mitzvahs that we did, but compared to the level of revelation, that's not really considered much of a, so to speak, an investment, much of, you know, real avoider on our part. Whereas when Mashiach comes, when Mashiach comes, it's going to be after the so many years of our avoider, of our efforts, of our toiling, of purifying the world and elevating it to such a place that now it is capable of receiving such high Kedusha. And this explains and also answers a very, very powerful question. Why? Why did Hashem make it that the only way to achieve this great Aliyah, the only way to really ascend so high is by first falling, by first ascending? Why? The answer is, from the virtue of the fact that this happens, this tells us that this is not just, so to speak, a necessary evil, but this is necessary. This is the process that Hashem wants. Hashem doesn't just want us to reach the Aliyah. He wants us to reach the Aliyah. He wants us to ascend. He wants us to reach that desired place, that desired goal, that special place, the revelation that will be when Mashiach comes, but only through the Yerida, which we are now in the process of, and, and, and very soon to complete, that we are able to work with the world and elevate it and bring it to a higher place. And we see this. Before every special revelation, what happened first? First you had a descent. You had it by the Avos. Every time they were ready for the next stage, there was a problem. There was a, 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 a conspiracy. There was a Yerida. They had to go down to Mitzrayim. They had to go this. They had to deal with challenges. Then there was an elevation. Then there was an ascent. And likewise with the Yidin. First they went to Mitzrayim and they were enslaved. It was like going through the process of... And then they got the Torah. And that explains the whole process of, you know, going through Golos. This Yerida that we have, you know, we have the, the, the ability to work with the world, to purify, to be Mavara the world, to bring it to a point where when Mashiach comes, it's going to be ready. It's going to be prepared and able to absorb all that holiness. To explain this better, the Rebbe says we'll understand this even better by means of understanding something which we do each and every day. And the famous question on the Shema. We say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. What does Echad mean? Hashem is one. In English, it's somewhat difficult to understand the difference, the nuance in this question, but I'll try to explain. The question is, the famous question, it's brought on Chesidus in many places, the word Echod, which means one, is different than the word Yachid. Yachid means the only one, singular. And therefore, it seems that it would be more appropriate to say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Yachid. Hashem is the only one. You see, because Echod fits in or could be also in a sequence of numbers, Echod, and then there's a Shani, and the proof is, we also say it every day. We say in the Adon Alam, we say, V'hu Echod ve'en Shani, and he is the one, and there is no second one. Why? Because anytime you use the term Echod, 
that already implies that there is some kind of shani, that there's a plurality, that it's not an only one. And the question is, why is the Shema, in, in, why was it written in the Torah, and why do we repeat it every day in such a way that we use the word Echad, the term Echad and not Yochid? And the answer is, because the ultimate greatness of Hashem, and therefore the ultimate purpose, is not when you cancel out all existence, when you say Hashem is the only one and nothing else exists, and everything else is just an illusion. Rather, the true and ultimate greatness of Hashem is when there seems to be plurality. There is a world. Hashem, so to speak, is Echad. And there's other things, there are other things that seem to exist. And yet, Hashem is one. And yet, everything comes together and comes together and there's only one Hashem. In fact, in the word Echad, we see that. Because if when you, and we know that's one of the things you're supposed to have in mind when you say the word Echad. And that is, the Aleph stands for one, which is Hashem. The Ches stands, is eight, which is, uh, which corresponds to the seven heavens and the one earth. And the Dalit is the four corners of the world. East, west, north, and south. So this is the idea. That ha, that the world, where the world by definition, the word Olam comes from the word Helam, which means to conceal. The world which by definition, nature and all that is associated with it, conceals and covers up godliness. It's the job of the Yid to inject and to bring out, to inject into the world and to reveal in the world the true essence of the world, the true existence of the world, which is the idea of Echad. By Matan Torah, we were given the tools with which to do this. By Matan Torah, we were given the Torah and mitzvahs through which we can implement this idea of bringing Hashem into the world and revealing Hashem through the world. Uh, it's revealing Hashem within the world and bringing it out. And to make it a pure place which eventually will become a receptacle and therefore compatible with revelation of godliness. Why wasn't Matan Torah enough? Why do we need Mashiach? Think about it. When Hashem gave the Torah, it says in the Medrash, everything stopped. The world, so to speak, just was on a pause. In other words, Matan Torah overwhelmed the whole entire world. It says, you know, birds stopped chirping, animals stopped, stopped you know, cows stopped, stopped mooing. Nothing. The waters, the waves, everything was in a standstill. Frozen. Why? Because it was like, wow. It affected nature, but not from within. It affected nature, so to speak, by means of force. Because it came from above. But when Mashiach comes, this revelation of Echad, after so many years, after the process of us doing Torah mitzvahs, is going to come from within, from the world itself. And this we can understand now the connection of the Echad, the Yavoi, to Shiloi, which the Al-Fridik Rebbe, as we know, the Al-Fridik Rebbe said, by revealing the Echad, we come to Shiloi, to Mashiach, which is the Gematria, Moshe, as it says in the Zoyer. And we understand now the full connection between Moshe and, and Mashiach, but we also understand the difference between the two.
that Moshe gave us the ability, he gave us the potential, he gave us the tools and energy that we need to prepare the world for Mashiach, but the actual coming of Mashiach will be at the end of this whole process, and that will come through Mashiach. And the Rebbe concludes the Sicha with a wonderful message for every single Yid, you know, throughout their day. And every Yid, every person is called Oilam Katon, like a small world. Everything that happens to us in our daily lives is like a small world. It's a whole period in history. So when we get up in the morning, and then until we go to sleep, that's like a whole world. That's like a whole chapter in history. And the Rebbe says, getting up in the morning, what do we do? How do we begin our day? It's like the equivalent of Matan Torah. We do what? We start off with davening. Maidani, brachis, davening, and then you go straight to learning Torah. But what happens after that? You go into the world. Whatever your respective job is, you work with the world. Generating a, a, a parnasa, dealing with things you know in the world. But of course, in a way that in everything you do, it's obvious that this is a Torah Jew, that this is a Yid that is connected to Torah mitzvahs, and therefore everything is done with purity, with holiness. What does the end of the day look like? When we say, In your hands, Hashem, I now give over my spirit, I give over my neshama. That's like the end of the time. That is like the time of Mashiach, when the neshama goes back up. And it's obvious that we didn't go through the whole process of the day just to fall, just to be schlepped down, just to be dragged down, but rather through that to go to a higher point and to, to accomplish so much and come higher and higher. There's a lot more to the Sikha, but I just wanted to give you know one little point of that. And you know, I would definitely invite you to look into the Sikha and read it you know, in detail to get a better appreciation.